Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, hey, we have been in a series entitled Supernatural. And if you're joining us for the first time, let me give you a little bit of a framework uh, so that we're all operating on the same page together. Uh, We've been talking about what it looks like to live a supernatural life. Uh, And I I mentioned this at the beginning and I'll mention it again because we've had a lot of new people show up to the church over the last few weeks. I don't want anyone to feel awkward about that word supernatural, all right? Because the second you say that, especially if people have a church context, there's usually one of two responses. Some people get really excited and some people get a little taken aback and a little nervous because if you came from a very conservative church background, if I say the word supernatural, like, oh, great. Just when I started to like this church, now they're gonna roll around on the floor and take out the snakes and I'm out. Like that's, and if you're like from a really like Pentecostal background where it got loud and it got rowdy, you're like, yes, finally, fire tunnels, where do I line up? And the answer is at another church, of course. Uh, And uh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's not what I mean when I talk about supernatural. When we say supernatural, we've defined it as this. Supernatural simply means the only God kind of life. A life that when other people uh, gaze at, when they look at, when they survey your life, they could say, man, the only way that life is the way it is, is because of God. There's, there's, there's no other reason that they would have had that promotion or they would have had that attitude as they walked through that difficult season and the doctors didn't have any way to heal, but somehow they got healed. Only God can do that kind of stuff. That is a supernatural, only God kind of life. And it is my conviction, and I've said this every single week, if you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, you should have a really long list of only God stories in your life. Moments where God showed up in a supernatural way or God messed with the circumstance and turned it for your good even though it didn't look like it was gonna turn out so good. I think that that's the beauty of being a follower of Jesus, that we've got this catalog of only God stories. I was meeting with people this last week and just hearing about open doors and promotions that came and even situations that could have gone horribly wrong but instead peace showed up and God showed up and changed everything. Like I love hearing those stories in our church because I think that should be normal for us. I think that should be natural. It should be a natural life to experience the supernatural power of God in our world. And so uh, every week we've been filling in this blank on the screen. And uh, as we've said in the previous weeks, uh, this series is brought to you by the letter P, uh, courtesy of Sesame Street. And uh, we've filled every one of those, uh, that blank in with every one of word, and then every one of the words that started with the letter P. So we started out with supernatural uh, perspective. And then we talked about supernatural protection. And then last week, my beautiful wife, preached an amazing uh, sermon on supernatural peace. And if you were not here and you're going through a difficult season right now, I wanna strongly encourage you to listen to that message. Uh, it'll, it'll change some things in your world for sure. And today, uh, we're gonna dive into a subject that I have both uh, simultaneously been excited about and really nervous about, uh, and that is supernatural power. Uh, we're gonna talk about the power of the Holy Spirit or the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And If you are new to church uh, and you don't really have a framework for this, you're like, why does that make you nervous? But for the rest of y'all who've been around the block a little bit, you know exactly why I feel a little bit nervous about communicating this subject today. Uh, There is in fact, perhaps no greater issue that the church has divided over. This has created more division, more anger. In fact, there have been entire denominations created around this subject of supernatural power because one side didn't agree with the other side. A lot of people have left church over this issue of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I figured what more appropriate time to discuss it than in the first 10 months of a church, you know? It'll really bring us all together. 
We're gonna resolve 2,000 years of debate today here at the Father's house. No one knew the guy in the skinny jeans on the west side of San Francisco had the answer all along. So it's gonna be great. But, but here's my appeal to you, okay? If, if, especially if you come from a church background and you already have a, a framework or a theology or an understanding about this, here's, here's what I'd like to ask you to do for the next couple of moments. Simply keep an open heart. Open up your heart. Open up your mind perhaps a little bit. Get beyond the wall that your previous denomination or your previous teaching might have thrown at you. And let's just all allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. Let's give him permission to say whatever he wants to say to our hearts. Because listen, if... If you were the devil, and I'm not suggesting you are, but if you were the devil, think about this for a moment. Wouldn't it make sense that you divide the church over an issue like power? If you know that a united church is unstoppable, but if they can bicker and fight and divide amongst themselves, then you can kind of work your way in and and turn things around a little bit for your benefit. Wouldn't you divide them over something as significant as power? Because in so doing, you would render the church powerless. Like, of course, this is a highly debated topic because the enemy does not want you walking in the power of God. He does not want the church united around power because he understands that if we were united around this, we would be completely unstoppable. Millions of people would be added to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness would be pushed back like never before. And so we can't afford to just bicker over petty little theological differences. No, if there is power being dished out by God, I want some of it and I want our church to walk in it today. And we gotta talk about it, amen? So, so let's just all open up our hearts. Let's throw aside our little pet doctrines today and let's all receive what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. Amen. In fact, let me pray that over us as we dive in. Uh, Jesus, we thank you this morning uh, for your presence. I thank you for your house and your people as we're gathered together. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you promised that anytime we gather together in your name, that your spirit would be there among us. You are here today, Holy Spirit. And we pray right now that you would fill this room in a very unique way on this Sunday. I pray what the Apostle Paul prayed in, in, second, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, I did not come with wise and persuasive words. I came with a demonstration of power. I pray that the words would be secondary to just the felt power of God in the room today. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, help us to receive from you all that you wanna say to us before we leave this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of John, chapter 20. We're gonna start there today. And uh, let me give you a little background so that we're all on the same page as we get into scripture. Uh, In John chapter 20, Jesus is now at this point, he's been crucified. And uh, on the third day on Sunday morning, he resurrected. And uh, when he resurrected, he appeared to a few people in the garden, uh, a couple of prominent women and a few of his disciples, but the rest of them have not yet seen the resurrected savior yet. And so Jesus is about to, in John chapter 20, appear to the remainder of his disciples. And and here's what it says in John 20, verse 19. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace. As the Father has sent me, that's just kind of how I translated it in my head. Uh, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Can we go deep in the first couple of minutes here of a sermon? Are we okay with that? So I want you to understand what's happening here because again, this is highly debated. So at this moment, No human had ever received the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit of God had hovered. The Spirit of God had walked next to people. The Spirit of God could come upon people, but it had never indwelt humanity. And part of the provision of the cross is that when Jesus gave his life and resurrected, now we didn't have to live with a physical Jesus standing next to us at all times, but we could be indwelt by his Spirit. So the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment all of us have said yes to Jesus, his Spirit dwells within our hearts. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's the new little voice that you got inside of you that's like, hey, knock that off. Hey, that person you were dating before, you probably shouldn't date them anymore. He guides us in all truth and he, he walks us through this life. So because of this moment, now the disciples were dwelt, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus says to them a few weeks later, hey, there's actually more. There's a secondary experience I want you to have with my Holy Spirit. And so in Acts, uh, a couple of weeks later, Acts chapter one, verse three, here's what happens. It says, during the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he actually was alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. Someone say power power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Pause. So the Holy Spirit was in them because Jesus breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit, but now he's saying the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So just so that we're all clear, okay, real recap here right now. So we're all on the same page. They were indwelt by the Spirit of God, so the Spirit of God dwelled within them. And then Jesus says, wait, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon you. And he calls this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you are going to receive power when this happens. So, so let's get into this word power. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. I'm teaching you some Greek this morning, okay? You can tell your friends at lunch, like, hey, I'm a smart guy. I know some Greek. Dunamis. And it's where we get the term dynamite. It means explosive. It is uh, utter human power. And in the Greek, the definition is this, only God kind of power, only God kind of power. 120 times it shows up in the New Testament. And every single time you see this word in the New Testament, it is referring to an only God type of power, only God type of power to heal, only God type of power to, uh, to, to deliver, to provide, excuse me, to provide as I throw up on a microphone, to provide <laughs> only God kind of power. But if you're taking notes, I, I want you to write this down. Only God power is not for God only. Only God power is for us. Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to go and I want you to wait in Jerusalem and you are going to receive this dunamis, this supernatural only God kind of power. I'm not gonna give you physical power. I'm not gonna give you political power. I'm not gonna give you positional power. I'm gonna give you the kind of power that only God himself possesses, this supernatural dunamis kind of power. Jesus understood that if his disciples were going to be successful in this endeavor of building the New Testament church, of overcoming temptation, of standing for Christ in a generation that was trying to take them out, people that were trying to squelch the gospel and, and remove the way, as they called it, from the, from the face of the earth, they needed this supernatural kind of power. Now, here is where the age-old debate comes in. Was this dunamis power only available to a group of people 
in the New Testament who were tasked with building the church, or is it a power that is available to us today? Is this some kind of like dispensation where they needed this kind of power because this task was overwhelming and and in this particular time in history, that's when God needed this power to be released? Or as New Testament believers today, walking the planet that we walk today, do we have access to that kind of power? Well, the answer is actually just a few verses later in Acts chapter two, verse 17, here's what it says. God said, I will pour out my spirit upon who? Oh, come on. All people, thank you. All people, not 120 in an upper room, not 12 disciples, but everybody. Are are you all people? You're all people. I'm all people. We all all people. (laughs) He didn't say I'm going to indwell all people, although he will when we call upon his name. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people people. Hey, guess what? They weren't the only people who needed power to live for Jesus in their world. If they needed the supernatural power of God to stand up against the Roman government and to preach the gospel and to perform miracles, you need the same power today from heaven to live in the day and age that you live in. You need power to overcome temptation. You need power to navigate difficult seasons. You need power to stand for Christ, especially in a city that is so anti-Christ in this generation. You need power. I need power. This was not reserved for a few people. It's for all of us. So then the the big question is, if you need power, do you have it? (laughs) Are you walking in supernatural power today? I can't answer that question for you. You can only answer that question for yourself. Do you feel like there's this God element, this God factor that, allows you to overcome things that in your flesh you wouldn't be able to overcome? Do you feel like when you come up against a difficult circumstance, you feel the supernatural power of God to compel you to maintain joy, to serve Jesus, to continue to show up in the house of God? Or are you like so many Christians trying to navigate this life in your own strength, in your own power, and probably failing a lot in the process? Do you have the supernatural power of God? Let me offer uh, this thought. Um, I have a, an electric car. And uh, I don't mean like a cool one, like a Tesla. Uh, I mean like I have a jelly bean. Like I have this little jelly bean that I drive around in, a little electric car. Um, before Robin and I moved to San Francisco, uh, we bought a, uh, an electric car a couple of years ago because as many of you know, we have a business back in Solano County and knowing that we were gonna have to commute back to Solano County probably once a month, um, I, uh, I bought this little car so that I could get in the HOV lane. So I got rid of my man car and I bought a jelly bean. It's great. Uh, and we had taken a number of trips, <clears throat> excuse me, in this little car uh, back and forth to Vacaville. But uh, about two or three months after we moved here, we got invited to attend a conference in London and we decided to parlay it into a, a 12-day vacation in Europe. Uh, I know, rough life. And, uh, and so uh, we had to drop my children off at my grandparents, or excuse me, at their grandparents uh, in Vacaville. And my, the, the way that electric cars work is kind of the more weight, the more stuff you have piled in them, the, 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 the less mileage you get out of the thing, right? So we stuffed 12 days worth of luggage and my kids and my wife in the car and uh, we did not take into account the, the new weight distribution of the vehicle and it turns out it didn't have what it took to get to where we needed to go. 
uh, we hit the, uh, the, 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 the bridge, the Bay Bridge there, and I look down and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, the mileage is dropping quite a bit more than I intended it to. And if any of you've driven this stretch of highway, uh, down Highway 80 through Vallejo, we get to this one part in Vallejo where the hills start going like this. And right about the time we hit the bottom of this hill, the battery dies in my car. Now, fortunately, uh, I have a little generator in the back of the car that kicks on. It sounds like a lawnmower. It's like in the back of the car. You can't even talk to the person next to you anymore. You're like, hello, hi, can you hear me? And, uh, and so this, this generator kicks on and, and the car starts making its way up this hill. And I'm like, okay, finally, we're safe. But then all of a sudden I notice like, uh-oh, we're, we're losing power here. <laughs> like the car goes from 65 to 55 to 45 to 35 and I'm just like in my little jelly bean with my kids and my wife in the car and semi-trucks are passing us by and beeping in the, you know, the lane next to us and waving and making fun of us as they go by. And I'm like, this is terrible. My poor wife and kids are gonna have to get out and push the car. Like, this is rough. <laughs> and so like, I'm telling my kids stories about the Flintstones and how they used to have to cut the bottom of the car out and use their feet to to get going, but finally we, we, we come over the last hill and we, we descend down into Fairfield and I look uh, at my dashboard. We've got about 15 miles left before we get to Vacaville and I have exactly 15 miles left on my car. So my wife looks at me and she says, hey, you should probably pull over and fill up the generator so that we've got gas to get to Vacaville. And the only thing that I could think of at that moment was that one episode in Seinfeld where they tested whether or not they could get further than the gas gauge set on the car. How many miles can you get out of a car once it hits empty? And I'm like, no, we're going for this. So I look at my kids, I'm like, are you ready? And they're like, yeah, but my oldest daughter's a little cautious. She's like, no. And my youngest is like, go, 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 go. So. I'm like, I'm pushing it. And they're counting down every time one of the miles like disappears. Like 10, nine, eight. I'm like, turn it off the air conditioner. If you're hot, blow on your sister. Like just trying to get as much mileage as we can out of this thing. So we head to Vacaville and we pull up at this stoplight literally as the car hits zero. And I'm like, we made it. Turns out, um, unlike a gas powered vehicle, uh, when a car hits zero, it means zero in an electric car. The light turns green, I hit the gas, nothing happens. I'm like, oh. <laughs> About 500 yards away, there's a gas station. I'm like, okay, we're gonna have to push this thing. So I get out of the car and I start pushing it, which is, it's abnormally heavy for a little jelly bean. I'm just throwing that out there. And uh, some passerbys get out of their car and they help me push. Uh, and just about the time I thought, you know, okay, the embarrassment is gone. This woman, literally, I, I'm, I'm not making this up, rolls down her window and screams past us. And she's like, get an American car. And I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> what happened? I ran out of power, right? I, I thought... I had enough to accomplish what I had set out to accomplish, but I fell a little bit short. If I had just pulled over, if I had just filled up a little bit, I would have had everything I needed to get to my destination, but instead, because I relied on the power that I had already, I fell short of getting to where I needed to go. And I paid the consequences for trying to rely in my own strength. Let me tell you about some of those consequences. Delay, took me a lot longer to get there than I really needed to. Anxiety, everyone in the car was anxious. My youngest daughter was probably the only one who was like, this is awesome. Everyone else is like, this is terrible. <laughs> Embarrassment, 
Nothing like a semi-truck passing you on the freeway, laughing at your little jelly bean as you go by, pulling into a city, people telling you about how your car should be American-made. And failure. I ultimately did not accomplish what I intended to accomplish. I wonder how many Christians are experiencing consequence because they're trying to rely on their own strength to accomplish what only supernatural power can. I wonder how many believers are trying to cope with a situation in their own strength, overcome an addiction in their own strength, fight a temptation in their own strength, even good things, trying to get a promotion in their own strength by weaseling their way up the ladder. People attempting to live out the call of God just on their gifting and not the supernatural power that's available to them. I wonder how many of us are experiencing delay and anxiety and embarrassment and even feelings of failure simply because we're trying to do it on our own. But listen, that is not God's intent for any believer. And I'm not just talking about Pentecostal charismatic believers, I'm talking about Baptists and Lutherans and everywhere in between. God's design is not for any believer to try to do this life on their own. He understands that the task he's called you to and the world that you live in warrant a supernatural power that is not of this world. You need supernatural power to live a successful, godly Christian life. And you will never be able to accomplish what God has called you to do unless you tap into that power. Because listen, that power will allow what used to be difficult to become easy. It will allow what used to seem impossible to become possible because it's not you doing it, it's Jesus doing it through you. Let me prove it to you. Remember those disciples a couple of scriptures ago? Where did we find them in, in, in John? It says in John chapter 20, verse 19, that that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. You've got these 12 guys who've been walking the planet together for the last three years. They've spoken in front of thousands of people and the multitudes, they've healed the sick, they've done miracles, it's been insane. And now, because their leader has been crucified, they are locked behind closed doors and they are terrified of the Jewish leaders. One of them, a guy named Peter, he punked out to a little girl three days prior when he was standing there watching the, the, the religious officials of the day accuse Jesus. This little girl walks up to him. She's like, aren't you one of the disciples? And he's like, no, never met the guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Six-year-old little girl right there. Afraid, terrified. Why? Because if they took out the leader, they're gonna take us out next. But then take a look at what happens after Jesus tells them to stay behind and to wait for power. Suddenly, these terrified disciples begin to operate in something utter human, something supernatural. Acts chapter 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Then Peter, the same little terrified guy, stepped forward with the 11 other apostles, the same ones that were locked behind closed doors, and they shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is too early for that. It's a word of knowledge for somebody. You should underline that one in your Bible, all right? Nine o'clock in the morning is way too early for, never mind. 
No, what you have seen was predicted by, uh, long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he, Peter, he begins to preach the gospel to these thousands of people that he was terrified of just a few days prior. And look what happens as he preaches. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those that are far away, all who've been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. What caused this group of terrified, hiding disciples to suddenly begin to herald the good news? What took this guy, Peter, who was afraid of a little girl just a few days prior and turned this petrified Peter into a preacher? Even more P words, there you go. What happened? One word, power. It was the supernatural power of God that came upon the apostles, that came upon Peter, and suddenly he was able to accomplish something that he could not accomplish in his own strength. He was able to stand in front of a generation and declare the goodness of God. Why? Because they received power. And it wasn't just power for power's sake. Listen, especially if you've got a religious background, it wasn't even power for the sake of speaking in tongues, okay? That was not the reason for this power. It wasn't just so that he could be a, a, you know, an elevated Christian, look what I have that the rest of these people don't have. That's not what it was there for. The purpose of the power was to be a witness in his generation. Jesus said, you go wait in Jerusalem and I'm gonna give you power. And when I give you power, you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power was for a purpose and the purpose was to be a witness. And and let me appeal to you on this level. The, The purpose hasn't changed. It's exactly the same today as it was back then. The reason Jesus wants to endow you with supernatural power is so that you can be a witness in your world. Let me remind us here today, yes, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have come, he would have died, and he would have given his life for you because he loves you that much. But newsflash, you're not the only person on this planet. There are seven billion other people on this planet, most of whom do not know Jesus and are on their way to an eternity without him. In fact, within 20 minute drive of here, there's over a million people that do not know Jesus and are on their way to a reality that we don't even wanna talk about on a Sunday morning because it's, it just, it, it'll make you cringe. And your job as a believer is not to just simply sit here and soak in the security of your salvation. Our job as believers is to herald the good news of Jesus, to be a witness in our world, and to tell every dying, broken person around us that he is who he says he is, he loves them regardless of where they come from, and there is still a hope for their life. We are called to be a witness. And and let me break down that that thought because when I say witness, a lot of people are like, I'm not called to preach. I don't wanna be a preacher. Thank you. We don't need any more preachers preaching that are not supposed to be preachers. There's a lot of them out there. If you're called to preach, great, preach. But if you ain't, no. No, stop. Go get a real job, make a lot of money and give it to the Father's house. Hallelujah. That's, That's what I need you to do. 
That's not what it means to be a witness. Here's the definition of the Greek word witness. Ready? To be proof or evidence. To be the evidence in your world, the proof that Jesus is real. The proof and the evidence in your world that he is who he says he is and he does what he says he'll do. That's it. When you overcome an addiction to a substance or to a drug and you do so with the supernatural power of God, guess what? You're a witness to a watching world. When you look at a coworker who's sitting next to you and you forego the company platform and you aren't concerned about getting fired and you say, you know what, I'm gonna pray for you. How can I pray for you today? Instead of just taking them out to a drink after work to cope with it, you are operating in the supernatural power of God and you're being a witness. When you navigate difficult seasons that other people would crumble under, but as you walk through it, you're walking through it with faith and with joy, you are a witness to a watching world. When you give and you serve and people are scratching their heads saying, I don't understand why you go to that place every Sunday morning. You give them a portion of your money to support the ministry. What's the matter with you? What are you? You're a witness to the supernatural power of God. And yes, when you preach the gospel to somebody or you bring them to church, you are also a witness. But let's not limit it to one person standing on a stage with a microphone. No, you are a witness every time you do something on this planet that proves that Jesus is real and that it becomes the evidence to see other people in your world go, oh my gosh, I need what you got. That's what it means to be a witness. But listen, you cannot do that in your own strength. You need power. You need the supernatural power of God. So if, if we need this, then let me ask the million dollar question. In fact, as I do this band, you guys can come to give the illusion that I'm stopping. <laughs> How do I receive this power? Is this, gonna be, is this where it gets weird? Okay, is this where like, I'm gonna have to head for the door because I've been in this environment before. Just chill out, hold on. Here's what you need to remember, okay? This supernatural power of God, it's a gift. It's a gift. Look at what it says here in in Acts twice. Acts chapter one, once when he was eating, talking about Jesus with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then again, when Peter preaches in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins. That's salvation. Turn to God and be baptized. That's in water, like Anthony did this morning. Love you, Anthony. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a mandate. Can you be saved without the power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But it is a gift that God is giving to you if you like it. Let me ask, how many of you here today have kids? Anyone have kids? Okay. If your kids are anything like my kids, you don't have kids. (laughs) And if you do, I didn't know about it. Anyway, uh, (laughs) if your kids are anything like my kids, uh, they love to receive gifts. Anyone's kids like, like presents? Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and my kids, uh, their birthdays are both in the fall. Um, but it seems like at around March, they start asking for presents uh, for their birthdays. And I'm like, we got a whole lot of time left before your birthday comes. But they create this really long list of gifts that, they, uh, that they'd like. And my youngest daughter, she has this ability to convince herself and attempt to convince her parents that these gifts are not just simply desires. They are, in fact, needs. I need a new Barbie. <laughs> 
I need a new bike. I need a unicorn, because she actually thinks those things are real. I'm like, no matter how long, I'm gonna have to buy her a dog and tape a cone to its head or something. Like, I need, I need, I need. And she is not shy about telling her parents what she expects that she needs. It's, it's very easy for her to do. Well, look at what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 11. He says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How do you receive the power of the Holy Spirit? You ask for it. Listen, if God knows you're gonna need this power, he's not gonna dangle it like some carrot and say, okay, did you pray in that language yet? Then you can have it. Sorry if that messes with somebody's theology today. He's not gonna make it difficult for you to receive this power where you have to muster up some kind of level of faith and go, oh, do I have it yet? Do I have it yet? I'm just not sure. No, if you simply ask him, you'll receive it. But listen, it's not simply enough to ask for the gift. You actually also have to open the gift. How ridiculous would it be if I handed my daughter this present that she asked for on her birthday and she left it inside the box. Her friends come over and like, hey, did you get that new Barbie? Did you get that, that one that we've been talking about, the little marriage set, the Barbie marriage set? Did you get that one? Yeah, yeah, I got it. It's right here. It's in there? Yeah, it's in there. Well, why don't you, oh, no, 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 I don't want to open it up. <laughs> I wouldn't want, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, that's just, that's just weird. I, I mean, it's right here, it's safe. It's safe inside here. I know that I have it, but, but I'm not interested in using it. It's just, it's just gonna stay locked away inside this box. That's ridiculous. But this is what so many Christians do with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's because they had a bad experience when they were younger, whether it's because of bad teaching, maybe it's just a lack of knowledge and you fill in the blank, but there are so many Christians that walk around for years with a gift under their arm going, yeah, 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 I know it's available to me. I just, I, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna open. No, you have to open the gift. This, this was my story for many years. A Christian walking around with a box under my arm, not tapping into the power that God had made available to me. I've told my story before, but I'll give you the abridged version today. I grew up in church, thank God. My parents brought me to church every single Sunday. So when I uh, took my bout away from Jesus for a season, it wasn't so far that I didn't make my way back. I still had scripture locked up in my heart and there was still that thing inside of me that kept beckoning me back to Jesus. Let me speak to any parent here today. If you've got a child that is far away from Jesus, but you raised him up in the house of the Lord, the proverb proves to be true. If you raise a child up in the ways of the Lord, when they are older, they shall not depart from it. I don't know when that older might come. It could be in their 60s, 70s, or 80s, but the word proves to be true. There were seeds planted in my heart that I could not shake. When I came back to Jesus at 19 years old, I started attending a different church than the one that my parents attended because uh, I had a little bit of history there and I didn't want anyone to know me anymore. Um, but in that church where I grew up, uh, we, were, we were taught, or maybe just lack of teaching, we didn't, we didn't really believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit were for today. Um, I remember being in youth one day when a girl began to pray in tongues during a worship set and she was swiftly removed from the setting and taken outside and scolded saying, we don't do that sort of thing here. That's not God, that's the devil. 
So I grew up in a setting like that where I didn't believe in the gifts, I didn't believe in healing, I didn't believe in the supernatural power of God. But at 19, when I made my way to this other church, we went to a conference up in Seattle, Washington. When I was in Seattle, Washington, the last day of that conference, the speaker on stage said, hey, if you wanna recommit your life to Jesus today and you need to be filled with the power of God, I want you to lift your hand. And I lifted my hand. I'm like, I wanna follow Jesus afresh. I wanna renew this thing. And he said, hey, I'd like you to follow us into this back room. We don't do that here, so don't worry. Uh, but I want you to follow us into this back room and I wanna pray for you. And me and about 400 other students went to this back room and had somebody come around me and lay hands on me and they prayed and they, they just asked, hey, Holy Spirit, would you fill this guy? Would, you, would your power fill this guy in a way that he's never experienced before? And in that moment, something happened to me that I didn't even believe in. <laughs> I didn't have a theology or a framework for. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon my life. I began to pray in a language that I didn't understand and I was filled with power. When I came back home, that power allowed me to get rid of some relationships that were toxic. That power allowed me to make a step towards my destiny. That power allowed me to serve in the house of God and begin to use my gifts for the kingdom of God. And in many ways, I am who I am today because of a moment in Seattle, Washington, where the power of God came upon me in a way that I can't describe to you other than to say it was supernatural. That's it. Now, I'm not saying that's how it happens for everybody, that's how it happened for me. But what did I do in that moment? I opened up a gift that was given to me. I simply unpackaged it. And that's what I want for you today. We're not gonna make a weird atmosphere here. It's not gonna get awkward. But listen, if you're here today and you need some fresh power in your life, I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you this morning to walk back out of this room, see your life a little bit differently, approach your situations a little bit differently, that you would have the supernatural power of God to overcome in this world. Would you be up for that today? I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And here's my simple question to you this morning without anybody looking around, without anybody getting distracted, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he saying to you? If you're here and you're far from Jesus, let me do my best to articulate what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. Peter said, when he preached in Acts chapter two, hey, if you're far from God, here's what you need to do. Repent of your sins. That simply means to turn away from your one life and turn towards Jesus and be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're far from God today, that's probably what the Holy Spirit is whispering to you right now. Hey, son, daughter, it's time for you to come home to me. And I don't wanna make this weird for anybody, so please keep your eyes closed and your, your head bowed for a moment. But if you're here this morning and you would say, Tim, I am far from Jesus and I need to get things right with him. I, I need to invite him into my life this morning. Would you, I'm gonna pray with you before you get out of here, but before we, we, we pray, would you just quickly lift up your hand and look at me so I know who I'm praying with today? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, man, right on. Thank you. Yeah, got you right there, bro. Yes, both of you guys right there, right there. Yeah, in the back. Come on, lots of people saying, yeah, right there in the back. Yes, yes. Woo, come on, lots of people coming to Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Church, here's what I want us to do with those who just lifted their hand. We're gonna say a very simple prayer and then I wanna pray for a second group of people. But would you join these making this decision so that they don't feel alone in doing it? Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you for giving yours for mine. Today, I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my heart.
guide me from this day forward. Help me to be your disciple until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God real quick for all those that lifted their hand this morning? Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helps you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.